using that. And I hear a lot of the new stuff too. And we're losing. You would have to ask, and I'm glad the Lord doesn't put it in detail, why Ephesus lost their first love. But he reminds them that one point, they were deeply in love with him. But somewhere along the way, they lost that. We can lose a love for the Lord and gather a desire for everything else. And think we are worshiping and doing church. But the one that really doesn't matter anymore is the Lord Jesus Christ. He can be outside the building. And we can be having church on the inside of the building. And walk right past him when we leave. This thing has been on my mind for the last two weeks or more. And I don't know where we're going. I didn't know where I'm starting. And the whole process is to somehow recognize that church is not about me, per se. It's more about Him. And we're losing that focus. What do you come to church for? Do you come to church, and once you come, now catch this, to see, to see God. To see what God is doing. In the church, you ought to be able to see how God is working in the lives of many individual people. You should be able to see that and you rejoice. To see what God is doing. The second reason to come to church, which many people don't want to do, is come and hear from God. To hear from God. And a lot of times, We don't want to hear from God because God does two things. He teaches and corrects. He corrects and He teaches. And a lot of times in life, we don't want to be corrected. So we turn it off. Because correction means I can't do my thing. Correction takes me out of what I perceive to be right and puts me over into what God says is right if I'm willing to hear it. We have taught ourselves to forsake God and to leave things somewhat undone with God rather than understanding God has brought me on a journey to himself. And I want to hear him. I want to hear him. Because he's brought me to himself. And he has something to say. The third reason is to receive from the Lord. You want to see what he's doing. You want to hear what he's talking about. And you want to receive from him. You want to be able to receive. If you leave church empty, it's not because of Pastor Brown. It's because of your attention that you are not giving to the Lord Jesus Christ. If I would have never sat where you sit, I wouldn't be able to say that. Because... I've sat where you sit. I understand there is times that in the service, the service freezes in that frame with me and God. And everything else is going on, but it's just me and the Lord. 
is me and the Lord talking in here. And I'm not so much following the message per se, or what's going on in church per se, but the Lord has caught my attention so much that everything else seemed like it drifts by. And when I leave, I leave with something that comes from the Lord, not so much that what comes from a man, because what comes from a man will soon be forgotten. So you come to church to see, to hear, and to receive. You should want to see what God is doing, not only in your life, but in the bigger picture. Because God got something much more bigger. He's planning something bigger and more wonderful than what you and I could ever imagine. And you should want to see what God is doing. We get caught up with numbers and we call that church. But when you look in Scripture, God does more with a small group of people than He's ever done with large groups of people. And what we ought to be willing to say is say, Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. But sometimes because we're focusing on the wrong thing, we miss what God wants us to really focus on and see. We need to get further than just ourselves. If you're just coming to the church just for yourself, then you're coming for the wrong reason. You're mainly coming out of duty. You're mainly coming to see what Joneses are doing or what this one is doing. And hate to say it, church can become a, a gossip place. Because in church, you hear about other folks' problems sometimes. And that becomes your gossip issue during the week. And before you get home, you then call ten other people. We should want to hear from God. Not just concerning my own life. But also what He expects of me in this larger picture. The reason a lot of us don't use our spiritual gifts because we can't see or we don't know and we don't hear what God is really expecting of me to participate in something larger than my own little world. So we swim around in our little swimming pool in our backyard and think we have something and God got an ocean for you to swim in. And what you want to be able to do is come to that place where, yes, you want to come and hear what God is going to challenge you with. You say, well, I don't want God to challenge me with anything. I've been there. Because whenever God challenges us, He takes us beyond our own abilities. To where you have to lean upon the ability of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to accomplish the task that God has given unto you. And that's for a lot of us play church on our own. And we wonder why our lives aren't where God really wants them or why this is happening or why that is happening why this is going on. Because you're so focused what's in your little swimming pool rather than seeing what's in the ocean. God wants you to hear from Him. If He didn't want you to hear from Him, He would have never written this Bible. If God didn't want you to hear from Him, you would have never heard my sheep knoweth my voice. If God didn't want you to hear from him, he would never gave you that Abraham heard from him and picked up the challenge and moved to a different area. If God didn't want you to hear from him, 
He would have never told you about Moses and him speaking to Moses through a burning bush. But yet Moses then responded and acted. If God didn't want you to hear from him, he would have never told you about Paul being knocked off his horse on Damascus, on Damascus Road. And Paul wasn't talking to himself when he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He's responding to something that he heard. See, a lot of us don't want to hear from God, and we've even said it, God don't speak, because we don't want to pick up the challenge or have God speak to us. Because we know when He speaks to us, it's going to be something far beyond what our own capabilities are doing. And what we want to do is serve God at our own limitations. And say, God, accept this. This is what I've done for you. We want to play the Cain role. We want to bring to God what we want to bring to Him. And have Him accept it. But yet, what did he do with Cain? He instructed him that he could do better. And he even had an example in his brother Abel. And we have the same choice as Cain do. We can get mad and run away from it and don't do it. Or we can do it. He wants us to receive from him. What does he want us to receive? He wants us to receive what we don't have. Power. Power to perform his task. Power to do his work. He wants us to receive power from on high. From him. And as we look at John the Baptist, we're going to see some of that power that comes from God, not so much about John the Baptist. He wants us to gather strength. Strength that we can endure. Because too many of us faint along the way. Too many of us grow weary in the midst of the battle. Too many of us Labor and think, I don't have any more strength. I can't go any further. I thank the Lord this morning because the last two days I've been leaning on a cane at different times. And I said this morning, Lord, I don't want that cane. <laughs> and Elaine last night, boy, she was rubbing all over my foot. We soaked the foot. We were doing everything we needed to do. But I know something's happening in my legs because... Boy, sometimes it's in the left leg, sometimes it's in the right leg, and I can't put pressure and I can't stand on it. But God, He enables. He gives strength. He gives power. The question is, is there a willing mind to perform or to do? Do you have a willing mind? Because the scripture says, if there's a willing mind, it's acceptable unto God. Is there a willingness... That you really want to receive from God? Do you desire to receive from God? Do you want to receive from God? Or have you hit a plateau whereby you say spiritually, I'm alright. I'm saved. I'm alright. And John's going to check us on that. And thirdly, you want to receive from God faith or confidence. You want to have the confidence to walk on water if God calls you out to walk on water. You want to have faith to step out when other things are shaky for you and you're fearful of them. You want to step out. And sometimes in stepping out, you want to close your eyes because you really don't want to see it, but you just want to step out there. So you want to receive from God. When you come to church, you want to receive from God. Not from a man. 
You don't want a catharsis time where you're just constantly laughing and, and, and just having a good time. That's all and well. But hopefully you want more than that. You really want to see God working in your life and in the lives of others. You really want to hear from God and respond to Him. And you really want to receive from Him that you can perform and do what He's asking of you, even to the point of just being in the image of Christ, that you can live that Christ life. You want to receive. There's a reason for coming to church. It's not just to prop up the church. It's not just to say we have a a full house at church. But that you really know what it is to come to church. Now what I'm going to do today, and people can argue with me, well John didn't have no church, but I'm going to take you to John's church. Because John's church was like out in the desert, out in the wilderness. And that's where John learned, and that's where John was schooled, and that's where John does ministry. And the question Jesus asked the crowd, they they always say, when you see things repeated in Scripture... And so you need to really look at it and study why is it being repeated because there's something very, very, very important there that God is repeating it. And he repeats it three times in this little short area. And his question is, what did you go out in the desert to see? What did you go to see? What did you come to church to see? Did you come to see Reverend Brown? Did you come to see your best friend? Did you come to see Uncle Joe? Did you come to see Aunt Lily? Did you come to see your best friend? What did you really come to church for? If you're coming to church for any other reason other than Jesus Christ, you're missing it. And what we're trying to say is that church needs this, needs that. The church needs people who want to come And visit and see one person. Jesus Christ. That's it. Not the pastor. Not the elder. Not a bunch of other folks. All that's nice. Having community is nice. Having all this other stuff is nice. Having the fellowship things eating together is nice. All that's nice. But if my heart is not fixed on coming. To see and hear and receive from Jesus. I'm coming to church for the wrong purpose. Period. I'm coming for the wrong purpose. So in that Matthew chapter 11 and verse 7, it says, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? First point I want you to understand, where did they go to? A desert land or a wilderness. It wasn't some place comfortable. And at that time, the temple and the wilderness would have been a big difference. But here are people going out into a wilderness land to see what God is doing. Now, it may be strange, but God sometimes does some strange things and some wonderful things in some barren lands. And in a place that people would never think he would do it. God works sometime in people's lives and through people that you would never think he would do it. And he says, what did you go out into the desert? And some translation says wilderness. What did you go out there to see? What did you really go out there to see? Now, now I want you to take a little picture here. The wilderness is usually beyond the city area or city limits. That means you got a little hike to go from the city out to the desert or the wilderness. 
You have left all your comforts of home. You've left your TV. You left your lounging chair. You left your air condition. And you make this journey out into the wilderness where you don't have the comforts of your home. One thing about church is this. It should move you from your comfort to a place where you are being challenged concerning your comforts. Because one of the things that keep us from serving God is our comforts. And we don't want to be in our uncomfortable places with uncomfortable people. I'll teach a Bible study. You give me air conditioning and give me inside where no bugs are or anything. I don't want to be swatting mosquitoes. Just think about it for a moment. What some people in the world have to sit in and worship and while they're hearing the word, they got a foul odor coming from some dead animal or something else coming in. Or while they're trying to listen, as we were in Ecuador, boy, people, so many mosquitoes and you're trying because everything's open. And here come all the mosquitoes or the flies. But yet they're willing to sit and learn and hear the word and be taught. He says, what did you go out to the desert to see? Then he tried to describe to him, a a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear the clothes are in king's palaces. Those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. We'll talk about that for a little bit when we get to it. And the question is, to the people, what did you go out to see about John? What did you go out to hear from John? What did you go out to receive from John? What are you coming to church to see? What are you coming to church to hear? What are you coming to church to receive? Coming to church is a solitary place. It's a lonely place. It's an uninhabited place. It's a desolate place. Why do I say that? That that should be some of the characteristics of the church. Because whenever Jesus separated himself from his disciples, it was always where? To a solitary place. We don't practice much in church life of coming into church and being lonely. We say we come into church, we shouldn't feel lonely. Yes, yes you should. You need some of that loneliness. You need that solitary. You need that quietness. That is just you and God in the midst of a crowd. Because if not, you're hearing everybody else's thoughts. You're looking at everybody else. Your head's going everywhere. You're focusing on everything but God. We even get concerned. Oh boy, you're going to look long. 
When last time you went to a movie and took a look at your watch? Or you went to a Broadway play? Or you went to something and you gave them 15 minutes to get it done? But you come in God's house, you want to be out in 15, 20 minutes. Why is that? Culture has taught us one way of doing things. Go back and study Spurgeon. Go back and study Finney. Go back and study some of them. Them guys preach for two, three hours. I might try that one Sunday. <laughs> But in our modern day era, this is something that has been shortened down. Have you ever heard somebody from down south, not new south, old south, talk about church? How long were you in church? That's right. That old song we say, I've been with Jesus all day long. That was true back there. You were at church all day long. You went to church. You were there for Sunday school by 9 o'clock. You didn't get out of church until about 3 o'clock and it was expected to be back by 5 o'clock. My aunt and her Methodist church, boy, we wouldn't leave there until about 2, 2.30. We run home real quick because they already prepared the food on Saturday. Yeah. Only thing you had to do is heat it up. Hey, And boy, you eat and she changed her dress and out the door we go. I used to wonder, what you change the dress for? You, I mean, nothing happened. You didn't go to work. Nothing really happened in between that... But had to change it, get something different on, and back to church. And we are growing accustomed to cutting God short, and we want yet so much. And we forget something. Church is a place where we come to be educated and to learn. If it takes you eight hours a day to send your kids to school and learn something, why we cut church short? You go to college campuses, it's 45 minutes to an hour, but you're going from one class to another class to another class. Wouldn't it be great if you could get it all in 20 minutes? Get that degree in 90 days and be gone. But when it comes to God... His people, he wants to educate them, and that takes time. If I just want to talk to you, I can do that in 15 minutes and be gone. But the issue is, how do we educate? How do we teach? And then also look for a behavior change because you have been taught. And John, when he uses the word baptism, is not the same word in the sense that baptism that's in Acts 1 where the Holy Spirit comes and will baptize you into the body of Christ. It is the word that he uses in the sense that is symbolizing two things. That which has taken place on the inside. Because very quickly, if you got dirty hands and you wash them, people can see the difference. What? Very quickly. But what people don't see very quickly is what has happened on the inside. So baptism was a symbolicness of what was taking place on the inside for other people to know that you have been forgiven of your sin. And that you've been washed. But it was a matter of constantly teaching. And then, that's why John said, there's one who will come and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, solidarity, loneliness, that is a great place to be sometimes. 
How many of you have ever wished just for quietness? I, I mean, sometimes you just want everybody at the house. You want TV off, radio off, and you just want what? Quietness. And in that quietness, you can hear God. You can hear Him. That's why even in church sometimes, it's good to feel lonely. Why? You didn't come to church for everybody else. If you did, you come for the wrong reason. Your mind and church ought to be separated. What do I mean by that? When you come into church, there ought to be a moment that you're saying, you putting everything of the cares of the world, where at? Out there. Because if you bring all the cares with you, you're not going to hear. Satan will not give you a minute's rest from the cares of this world. Remember what the sower in the parable of the sower? The cares of this world did what? Caused them to what? Lose sight of what they had received. And we can get caught up with that. But we need to be able to separate it. And we need to be able to say, I'm with God. My wife put me on a little guilt trip the other day. I don't know how many of y'all go through this. And she just said to me, but she repented later, so I want you to know that. <laughs> but yesterday we were all, you know, and Earlier, we were just laying in bed, and she jumps out of bed, and I said, where are you going? And she said, well, i got things to do and places to go. Well, I'm here. You know, that's right, see about me. What's that song say, come see about me? <laughs> you know? And she gets up, and she's running. And I'm still laying there, and then she said, come on, get your clothes on. I said, for what? You're going to run with me. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. No. By the time I run with her, I could drive from here to California. Then finally she come back. She said, now look, I don't have that many Saturdays off. And you're off today. And you can spend some time with me. And we're going to go to breakfast, and then we're going to go out to this store, and we're going to do this. Oh, my Lord, save me. And finally, I just said yes. And at the restaurant, she said, if you don't want to go to the store with me, I don't want to be rushed. Because you and we go to the store, after I walk a little bit, I go find me a seat. And I sit down. <laughs> and, and she said, and she don't know how much I love her for that. You know, she said, you don't have to go because I know you'll be out there and you'll want to rush me and I don't want to be rushed. And I said, it don't take three hours to find some clothes. <laughs> you know, and yet, she took me back home, you know, and boy, it was just a blessed day. <laughs> and, and, and what I'm saying, we spent that valuable time together at breakfast. We spent that valuable time just laying in the bed together and just talking. We spent some special time. Where's your special time with God? Are you always in a hurry? And God knows you got things to do. But are you always in a rush that you don't have the time for Him?
And see, when you don't give that time to Him, you're going to miss so much. And that's why you have to separate that mind from this world and focus on Him. Everything in life and focus on what God is saying. That is so important. Understanding what you are hearing. Because sometimes we're hearing, but we have no what? No understanding. And what you are going to receive from God. What you receive, what you are going to leave with. It's what you're going to leave with. There's not too many businesses that you visit or go into they don't at least give you a paper, a pen. They give you something to what? To leave with. To remind you about them. And when you come into church, God wants you to receive that when you leave, it's going to remind you about Him. Now, He said, did you go out and see a reed swaying in the wind? Now, a reed could grow up to 12 feet tall. It could be paper thin. And the slightest little wind will cause it to just lay down. And he said, did you go see a reed? No. No. Now, John could have been blown around by the turmoil of his time. John could have been all perplexed and depressed and upset with what he had to deal with. Now, the wind... I like to call it the religion and the government. Because John had to deal with both of them. And when you are caught between these two things, you can become indecisive. But that was not John. You can become shaky or you can waver in your commitment. But that was not John. You can begin to doubt what God has spoken to you and called you to do. But that was not John. And doubt also will also always find it hard to make decisions. Doubt brings about an area in people's life that troubles them about making decisions. It causes the people to be unsteady. They're not sure. And John had to deal with both of them. The religion was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He had to deal with them. And in Matthew 3, he even speaks about the Pharisees who have warned you. And then the government is represented by King Herod and his sinful life. And and John had to deal with both of these. And John stands against two powerful forces. Now understand something. You're standing there today too. You have to stand against a government that passes law for people to sin unconsciously. And you have to stand against a religion that does not uphold Jesus Christ. And just because it says it's Christian don't mean that it is Christian and it's upholding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John opposed both of these forces. And all it was was John. 
But who can be against you if God is on your side? Do you understand you and God by yourself happen to be a majority? And you're able to stand. And you need to understand what did the people go out to see? What are you coming out to see? What did they go out to hear? What are you coming out to hear? What did they go out to receive? What did you come to receive? And that's important to understand. See, we can complain about the church. It's not relevant. Was John relevant? The word relevant may basically be to bear upon. To bear upon. The basic meaning of relevant. To bear upon something. John was very relevant. But some folks didn't like the problems that John was causing. Some folks didn't like what John was stirring up or what John was preaching. But he was very relevant. Now, you and I need to understand something. When people say the church is not relevant today, there are so many areas where the church could put its weight or bear upon, but the church got to be very selective where it's really going to be relevant to and where it's going to put its weight and what it's going to focus on. And what we need to really recognize, John stayed at what was relevant. And that was preaching the message that he had been given as a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand this. And maybe this is what needs to happen to us today. That John was the only prophet for over 400 years. But people were now ready to hear from God anew and afresh. Maybe we need a dry spell. That our ears would pick up to hear God. And see God. And we'll leave our comfort to go see what He's doing and hear what He's doing and to receive from Him. It lasts too long. Again, how long do you sit through a movie? And I understand our times. It shouldn't be something because we are people who Function by time. But yet, in reality, how much time are you in church a week? You spend more time on your job than you do at church. But if we asked you which one was more important, you would say, my relationship with God, church. But where you spend your time at is more on your job. You spend more time at McDonald's maybe in a week than what you do at church. You can spend more time at your friend's house, brother's house, this house, than do you do in the house of God. Then the other church is boring. The only reason church is boring because it's not doing what you want to do. It's not doing what you want to do. Rather than you jump on the church's bandwagon, you're trying to get everybody to jump on whose bandwagon? Your own. And how the church is run. I never hear too many folks talk about how this is run, how this company is run, how that is run. Only thing they're concerned about that on Friday, will they get a paycheck? God is still sovereign. He's still over his church.
Then the routine of church. We come into the same routine week after week after week. It's the same thing. I can tell you. Remember when we were young? And we used to laugh at that old guy who would get up there and say, Lord, thank you for waking me up in my right mind. See, the thing is, he knew what he was talking about. I didn't. Now I know what he's talking about. That he woke me up in my right mind. He got me started on my way. I know what he's talking about now. But back then, I didn't know what he was talking about. And show me something. How many of you are not a people of habit? How many of you still go out from the house about the same time going to work? How many of you take about the same route going to church? How many of you ride in the same old raggedy car for years before you break down by a new one? Be quiet, Pearl. But yet, when you come to church, we got to have all these changes all the time. Let me say something with you. If you got to have changes in church, you're missing Christ. He never changes. His message never changes. The most important thing about church is Jesus and His Word. We don't have to have a pulpit. We don't have to have organ, piano. Just think of a number of churches that don't have this stuff. And yet they're vibrant churches. Because the only thing they've come for is to see and to hear and receive from Jesus. Now, go to Psalms with me. 122. Psalms 122. Oh boy, 122, let me get there. He says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Boy, people don't rejoice anymore in that. You say to your children, to your family, to your husband, to your wife, let's get ready for church. Oh, me, oh, I don't feel like it today. Oh, I got to do the, oh, Where is the joy at with the expectation of coming to see what God's doing, what God is saying, and what you're going to receive from the Lord? It's amazing. He says, boy, I rejoice. I rejoice. For what purpose? That somebody said, To me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's go over to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Pick up with me in verse 17. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Talking about the wicked. Talking about how wicked people prosper and so forth. But he said, there were things about life that I was seeing, but had no understanding of. But he said, when I went into God's house, I began to understand. One thing that the church ought to do is give you understanding about life and how life should be lived in its perilous times. See, one thing about the Christian, he's constant, he's consistent. He doesn't change, she doesn't change. It's the same over the years. Christianity don't change. All buildings change. Pews change. Other things change. But the basic thing about Christianity never, never, never changes. And he said, when I went into the house, I began to understand. Why do you come to church? You're coming to church to get that understanding. Because you're seeing things you don't understand. You're hearing things you don't understand. 
And sometimes you're receiving things and you're wondering, why did I receive this? But in church, you get the understanding of it. You'll get the understanding of it. Let's go a little bit further. He says, Surely you place them on slippery ground, talking about the wicked. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors? Again, the wicked. As a dream when one awakens. So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. They really don't what? Exist to God. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. And that's how we become sometimes, don't we? When we see the wicked prosper, we see the wicked gaining, we become bitter because we don't understand why are they in a sense being blessed, not understanding they're not being blessed. Just because you have wealth don't mean that you're blessed. It may be a curse unto you. And he says, I became bitter about it. Why? I didn't really understand it. I'm seeing these things in life. And you're going to see things in life. And you won't understand it. You will hear things in life. And you won't understand it. But when you start in that relationship and coming to God and in His church, in His fellowship, He makes it clear for you. And He goes on and He says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. When you stay out of church, do you ever see yourself being ignorant? Yeah. Understand something. This sovereign God is constantly at work in this world. And one of the things that you and I need to understand is when God is at work. Now, the news and the weather folks, they call what takes place sometime Mother Nature acting up. But for the Christian, we ought to know there's no Mother Nature. If there's a tornado that goes through a place and God's doing it for a reason. And when he set records of number of tornadoes in a certain time, God's doing something. When a tsunami takes place, that's not normal. That's something God's doing. There are things that God is doing that we ought to be able to say this is somewhat of the pre-wrath of God that is yet to come, but yet God is warning us what is coming. He says, I was senseless and ignorant and I was a brute beast before you. My action was not always pleasing before God. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. Look at the steps. Look what God's doing. He's holding me even when I'm acting up. I'm still what? Being held by his right hand. He's still guiding me. You know, when do you as a parent stop guiding your child? Never. In one sense, when do you ever stop holding their hands? Never. Even though they're not present physically, you're there in the sun holding their hands, hoping the very best for them, praying for them, lifting them up, encouraging them. Praying for them. And when they call, you give them guidance, the best you can give. And he says, you guide me, you give me counsel. And afterwards, you take me, where at? Into glory. How many of you know you're heading to glory? I hope you, you desire it. You long for it. You want it. 
But God is my strength. I'm say, Whom have I in heaven but you? In verse 25. Catch this verse. You don't have it marked, mark it. Because this should be your whole desire. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I what? I desire. Earth has nothing I desire. Earth has nothing that I desire. If you desire what is here, you need to understand what Paul speaks in Corinthians, Corinthians, that it is only temporal. And everything you desire here, you're going to leave it. You're going to leave. The casket hasn't been made big enough to put all the things in that you want to take with you. You're going to leave it. Everything you desire. And that's why he said, there's nothing on earth that I desire. And he boils it down to this. You, Lord. You, Lord. You, Lord. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And you alone. If you come for church for any other reason other than Jesus Christ, you're missing it. You're missing it. I thank God for Vic and the choir. I thank God for those who sing. And I thank God for them using their gift and their talent. But that's not the reason I'm coming. That's not the reason I'm coming. I love to see Roscoe and Larry and pray with them up in the room. And, and I love to see some of you. But don't ever think I'm coming to see you. You're not the main thing here. But it's him. It's him. James said something the other week that was so true. He was mopping the floor and he was doing and he just... And I said, James, thank you. And he said, Pastor, I ain't doing this for you. I'm doing this for the Lord. Got the mind right. But we still need to say thank you to people when we see them doing things. Let them know we appreciate it. And even more so when they tell us, this is for the Lord. This is for God. You're doing it for God. You're giving for God. You're saying hello for God. You are being kind to someone for God. You're helping somebody for God. That all that you're doing, it is for the glory of God. Matthew eleven seven. Three times he says it. What did you go out to see? A reed? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, not fine clothes. You don't come to church to see a pastor in fine clothes. I know some people do, and they can tell you how many rings he got on, what's around the neck, and all this other stuff. That is not the issue. But the prophet. One who speaks the message of God. Because you come to see what God's doing. You come to hear what God's doing. Let's close out with Matthew 3. Real quick. Here's where we understand a little bit more about John. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Yes, you went out to see a prophet. Now what made John a different prophet from the prophets of old? Stay with me for a moment. John is the first prophet after 400 years. All the other prophets of the Old Testament spoke about Jesus and his what? Coming. John speaks about 
His coming, but John has the privilege of doing something that the others were not able to do, and that was able to see Him, baptize Him, touch Him, behold Him, talk with Him personally. John was a prophet of prophets, because not only did he see what he was prophesying about, he was able himself to serve that one. To serve that one. He didn't know any prophesy of his coming. He saw what he was prophesying about. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ who himself. And he goes on and he says, his message was to repent. So what did the people go out? To learn about godly repentance. Because what was happening in the temple, even though you burned up a thousand calves, sheep, and everything else, it wasn't doing a thing for me at this point. But when they went out there and received the message of John and repented from what they heard and recognized their sin, that they received forgiveness. John didn't have the whole message. He had part of it. But the people received what part God wanted them to receive at that moment and in that time. But the people started making an effort to go out. The people started seeking after God. The people was going to where they could hear the messenger of God and see what God was doing to see changed lives. Because one thing about repentance is this. If you say that you have repented and you keep in the same behavior, you have not repented. Now I'm not saying you're not going to slip back every now and then. But it's not part of your everyday life. Men, if you say you have repented of pornography and you're going to be in it every day, and I'm not saying you're not going to slip every now and then, you really have not repented of it. In your mind, when you look at one of the women in church or out of church, if you don't have a change up here, and sometimes for me, I remind myself, that's my sister. (laughs) That's my sister. Just by saying that, it gives me a different view. That's my sister. And you want to work on that. What did they go out? They went out to hear what John had to say about repentance. They were seeing people baptized. They were seeing lives change. And they wanted to receive it. And they received and saw their life even change. Look at four. John's clothes were made of camel hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. Not fine clothing, not silk, not something soft, but camel hair. And then it describes us what he ate. He didn't eat the luxury of things of life. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea. Now I want you to catch something. There's no way John was going to knock on every door in that community. There's no way John was going to touch every life in that community and say, Hey, come on out here to my church. The power of God convicting the lives of people and directing people. God sent the people from the city out into the wilderness to hear his message, to see his messenger, hear from his messenger, and receive from his messenger. There is the power of God. There was no thing that said, buy one, get one free. There was no red tag sale going on. There was no gimmick other than just John preaching the message that God gave him and God's power 
drawing the people out of their comfort out into the desert to hear, to see, receive. People went to see a messenger, to hear a messenger and receive from a messenger. What did you come for today? Did you come to see God work? Do you sense God working in your own life? Are you hearing from Scripture God's Word? Are you hearing Him speak to you over any part of the Scriptures that we've talked about? Have you received anything? Not from Pastor Brown, but from the Holy Spirit, the teacher. Have you seen? See, I'm glad God allows me to see the whole picture sometime of this church of his past. Because I can tell you, this church only exists because of God. The only reason we have what we have is not by the trickery or ingenuity of man, but only because of God. The only reason Pastor Travis is here is because of God. And that don't mean we don't sacrifice some. But watch this. In your sacrifice, when you sacrifice for the things of God, you'll never really suffer. You'll never really suffer. Why? You're in God's hands. When you start taking care of you, you're in trouble. But if you let God take care of you, He'll bless you. And if you come to church to see what God's doing in your life, in your fellow Christian's life, and to catch the bigger picture. If you come to church to hear God's word, not to have your ears tickled, but you come to hear from God, you're going to be blessed. And if you come with a heart, with your hands open, Lord, I want to receive from you. I want to receive from you, Lord. For every good and perfect gift cometh from where? From above. I want to receive from you, Lord. John says, whatever a man has, he has received it from the Lord. Have you received? Have you received? Have you been able to see and hear and receive? Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord. That, Lord, you call us together. That we might see the magnificent work that you are doing in each one of our lives. 